Headlines and hot takes, they have their place. But at our podcast, ESPN Daily, we don't just skim the surface of sports. Dude, I mean, this clearly transcends blood feuds, (laughs) rivalries, sports. This is something far, far deeper than that. I'm your host, Pablo Torre, and every day, We try to dive into the stories behind the athletes. The picture of him in the dugout afterwards just looked like a guy who'd had his heart ripped out. Listen to ESPN Daily wherever you get your podcasts. Start your day right with daily immune support plus extra strength 5-hour energy. It contains all the great 5-hour energy shot ingredients plus added vitamins and nutrients like zinc, vitamin D3, and vitamin C to help support the immune system. It comes in three great flavors, ultra orange, pineapple apricot, and pink watermelon. All this comes in a convenient portable bottle that takes just seconds to drink. No mixing required. Daily immune support plus extra strength 5-hour energy. Get it today at your local Rite Aid store. Well, we are now one step closer to the Republican-led Congress spending another trillion dollars. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And we'll have part two of our conversation with Dr. Kevin Wilkesey. All this on this episode of Trend Chat. Welcome to another episode of Trend Chat. I'm your host, Brian Bledsoe. And if you want to connect with us, whether we're on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, it's all the same name, Trend Chat 24-7. And I write for politicchicks.com. Just if you want to read some of my articles, just go to politicchicks.com slash author slash Brian Bledsoe. And don't forget about the book, Politicchicks, a clearing call to political activism, which is available on Barnes & Noble and Amazon. Whew! I just wanted if I could just do that one breath and yeah, I almost yeah, I almost didn't make it. <laughs> um, so as I mentioned, we are one step closer to spending another trillion dollars. Thanks to our Republican led Congress, those fiscal responsible responsible, you know, politicians <laughs> up there, they are so fiscally responsible that they're just spending just like democrats basically and here we are like i said we are it well like i said we're one step closer to meaning so it passed the house on today and now it's going to the senate and you know we gotta pass it because that government shutdown if we don't pass anything by friday the government will shut down again and you know how Republicans are when they have the prospect of any bad press that that's when they that's when they get you know the most skittish the most cowardly in a way because we got to do something because we don't want to look bad to the press because you know basically we're scared of our own shadow <laughs> and you know we're scared of what Democrats will say and all that and so 
Anyway, let's just spend some more money. Not only that, and let's continue to fund Planned Parenthood. Let's basically give Democrats what they want. And and it's funny because when the Democrats were in control of the House or even the Senate, they they definitely didn't get give the Republicans as much as Republicans are so willing to give the Democrats whenever these you know spending bills come up. They are just bending over, just bending over backwards, just breaking their. You know what? I can't say they're breaking a spine because they don't really show to have much of a spine. So it's not really, I guess, bending over backwards would be like Gumby for them. There's nothing for them because they really have no spine. So so anyway, that really just kind of came out of nowhere. I don't even know where I was going with that analogy. But but yeah. So after and, and also it's pretty much you know uh, uh just a formality that the president will sign it which okay that's not surprising either just i would actually just hope that it wouldn't even get to his desk in the first place but you know what like i said it's going to the senate who knows what's going to happen y'all already heard about senator Rand paul who what he might do as far as I don't know. He said like a filibuster or something. And also, uh, Senator Cruz has already tweeted about how, that he's voting that he'll be voting against it for a long list of reasons. I would urge you to go to <laughs> to Twitter and just read Senator Cruz's list of things <laughs> of uh, of reasons why he's voting against this bill. Which I actually I'm actually want to find it right quick to to go <laughs> go down the list somewhat. I can't go through it all because, like I said, we need to get uh, to this conversation of, well, the part two of our conversation with uh, Dr. Kevin Wilkesey. But just for a second, let's see if I can just go through it right quick. Uh So Senator Cruz posted on Twitter, like I said, he went down the list. So at first it started off with, it's basically like a thread. And it started started off saying, this is why I vote against the omnibus spending bill. And so... One, it would be, uh, I'm just going down it right now. So, uh, well, like I said, it funds Planned Parenthood, funds sanctuary cities, uh, provides, um, it fails to provide sufficient funds to properly secure our border. Uh, it, It tells federal agencies that they can spend taxpayers' money to study the causes, quote unquote, causes of gun violence, and mandate that make no mistake will uh, will be abused by future liberal administrations to manufacture evidence to uh, to try to violate law by citizens' Second Amendment's right, Second Amendment rights. I actually didn't even know about that one. Um, oh, it funds the X XM Bank, X, uh, Export Import Bank. And, yeah, so just from those, I, I didn't even finish them because, I, like I said, I, I know we need to keep moving. But yeah, this is uh, just another example of the difference in 
when it when we talk about conservatives and Republicans, there are when you talk about Republicans, most of them are pretty moderate. And so and just like these are the ones who are um, always willing to compromise, always willing to you know do everything the Democrats want, but can care less about people within their own party the conservatives will care about they're more concerned about pleasing the other side as opposed as opposed to uh the people that vote for them and this is nothing new so it's not I'm, it means me bringing this up i'm just saying it but it, it's not like this just happened yesterday so and i'm just thinking about because we we're still in primary season some of them uh, well, some of the primaries are already passed, like in Texas, but not all of them. And things like this, if you if you're so so much against what's going on, like with this spending bill, or even if something, whatever else that happens, people need to be held accountable. And I don't know what. Y- your breaking point is what is your deal breaker for a member you know in uh, a member of, of the house or or your senator what is the breaking point what is the the point of no return what is the final straw that will have you t- to support someone else in a primary given if that if they have a primary opponent or if um in the future for you to maybe yourself to run against that um against that member or to support someone else it and you know incumbents are hard to you know are hard to get out (laughs) and it it's not like like this is another thing that is nothing new but personally i just feel like there there should be a lot more turnover especially in the primary season it well it should be compared to the outrage that you hear like whenever a member vote for something or do something that the people don't like it seems like they're just mad for a couple of minutes and then they just totally forget about it and you know I, I can understand people not really paying attention twenty four seven about about the bills that these members pass or whatever, which that is one of the reasons why we're in this predicament actually because en- enough well not enough of us are engaged enough. Um, that's that's the reason why we're where we at, and I say it all the time: a lot of our problems a lot of what what is going on it all comes down to three little words we the people we the people three words it all come comes back to that whether you're engaged or not it's all it all comes back to that because if you want any, any sort of change that's where it's going to have to come from so we we get the government that <laughs> We deserve because if you didn't like if you don't like what's going on, you go to the ballot box and that's where you make your voice known. That's a, it's as simple as that. And if you don't, okay, you get what you get.
and this is what we got. <laughs> so, all right. I don't want to go on too too long. I know I got, like I said, we need to go. I just want to make one more thing <laughs> clear. If you hear about Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer, if you hear any, either one of those two people saying that they approve or saying things like this is a tremendous victory or that um, this is a great day or we are, we we um we are i guess we, we like what is in this bill from the republicans if you hear nancy pelosi or chuck Schumer basically complimenting republicans that is a clear indicator that you're doing it wrong republicans if you're if you're a republican and you have said something to where they agree is well talking about legislation i'm saying you know but if if they if you propose a bill and they say, huh, I think I kind of like that bill. You know what? You ought to just change it right there. Or if if they agree with you and want to vote for some nine times out of ten, if it's of any significance, then you should probably change your vote to whatever. If they say yes, you ought to say no, because they neither one of them are up to any good for anything. OK, I'm not going to say just anything, but I'm just saying <laughs> I mean, there could be some little stuff. But I'm saying any legislation of any significance, put it that way. If they're for it, not time to you probably should be against it. If you if you're a conservative, I'm saying. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's just the one thing I wanted to want to bring up. Um, just wanted to make that clear. Now, all right. <laughs> like I said, we're going to get to part two you know we was talking about obamacare so this is one of the other things that's also in this bill this whole bailout of obamacare of the insurance companies um, because republicans failed to repeal obamacare so because of their failure last year now we have to pay literally pay for it because in this trillion dollar monstrosity is is a bailout for these, you know, companies of uh, Obamacare. At least I, it, at least that's what it was. It, it, it'd be great if that was taken out. Hopefully, it might be taken out in in um in, in the Senate tomorrow. So, in that, we continue with our conversation with uh, Dr. Kevin Casey. And before that, let's hear from our friends with the Founder Project. Hello, Trend Chat fans. The Founding Project invites you to experience our latest resource to take civics to citizens, TFP's new website. Visit us at www.thefoundingproject.com. Be a part of the civics movement with The Founding Project. The Founding Project is a 501c3 education nonprofit. Join us today. So, yesterday, in part one, um, we ended on a question. And so Dr. Kevin Casey was talking about where the, the healthcare market is going to reset eventually, kind of like the housing I don't know, crisis and how everything reset after the um, bubble. And so he's saying the same thing was going to happen to uh, to the healthcare market eventually. And so my my question to that was, 
is one of those things that's going to go in the direction of this reset that he mentioned is one of those things going to yeah, well it's one of those factors is the individual mandate being taken out through the tax bill and so that was my question and here is his answer and we're going into the conversation i like to say it was a dang good start that that is that is a good start and let me give you a little background on why I think the individual mandate exists in the first place. Um, and I'll see if you disagree with me. I write about this in that first book, The Guide to Buying Health Insurance and Healthcare. So rewind 15 years or so to a point where, let's say around the mid, or around the turn of the millennium, uh, in the year 2000, the Y2K thing was going on. What else was happening that was a rage was the health insurance industry was changing. And so we were getting health insurance deductibles that were rising. They were going up through the roof. And so we started seeing these things hit four figures. And in fact, one of the longest strikes in U.S. history occurred back in 2002, I believe, uh, on the West Coast, the grocery stores, Ralph's and Albertson's. The workers went on strike. 70,000 workers went on strike for, I don't know, a year or two. cost the companies $2 billion. You know, one of the things they were, they were upset about, Brian, was the fact that their deductibles were going to $1,000. Now, today, we would call a $1,000 deductible really good health insurance, right? But back then, it was such, an, it was such a new deal. It was such a, how dare you that these workers went on strike? Well, the health insurance industry started changing back then. They started raising the deductibles. And so what that did was that put more and more exposure onto the people themselves, onto the actual patients who were having to pay more and more out of pocket, obviously. Well, this made a lot, a lot of people upset, but the health insurance industry just kept right on doing it. They just kept right on doing it. And so we've gotten to a point now, again, where I go back to this, where the health insurance industry has the best of both worlds. You can pay them thousands of dollars a year to buy something that you'll almost never get to use. Well, what are people going to start doing when that becomes too burdensome? They start realizing that, hey, I'm paying thousands of dollars a year for something that I don't ever get to use anymore. It's not a question of $5 copays and my, you know, my insurance takes care of everything. They start dropping the policies. They start dropping plans. They start saying, well, you know, heck with it. I'm not going to do health insurance anymore. I'm just going to go pay a doctor again. Well, the health insurance industry can't have that, can they? <laughs> so one of the things that they did in 2010 was they bought off Congress. They bought off the Obama administration. They helped craft this legislation that we know as the Affordable Care Act. And a couple of things they slid in there was an individual mandate and a, an employer mandate. So that if, if they, anybody who thought about getting out from under the health insurance umbrella, forget it. You can't anymore. If you do, you're going to get hit with fines. We're going to make it so that it's painful for you to drop your health insurance. Now, everybody thinks that this was a uh, government trying to look out for everyone. No, this is the health insurance industry making sure that everybody bought their product. I mean, can you get that? I mean, that, yeah. to me, that makes the most sense. And, in fact, I say in my book that if health insurance hadn't become allied to employment back in the 40s and 50s, then by the 70s, health insurance would have been a very fringe product sold door to door because we wouldn't have needed health insurance because the prices of health care would have kept pace with inflation. But instead, the health insurance took over as the third-party payer. Again, what I said earlier is all that did was drive the prices of health care through the roof, and so it became a self-defeating or a self-fulfilling prophecy. Another one of my tweets 
that I love to put out there, and uh, it's in my book, Healthcare Anomics 101, is I say, why do we at Acme Health Insurance not protest, or why, do, why don't we scream about the $100,000 in hospital charges that you get for a week's stay in the hospital? Why, why, does, why does Acme Insurance really not say anything negative about that? They should be, right, because they're the ones paying for it. Well, first of all, because Acme Health Insurance isn't paying $100,000 on that bill. They're probably paying three grand on that bill because of the negotiations behind the scenes they've made. And secondly, and this is much more important, is that $100,000 in charges helps maintain the illusion that you need Acme Health Insurance to protect you from that $100,000 in charges. Do you, do you see where I'm going with that? It yeah. is brilliant. It is genius. <laughs> and so the health insurance industry has, number one, driven the prices of health care up through the roof, and number two, they make a heck of a living off this illusion that health care is so costly. In fact, this is what I call the big myth of healthcare, and that is this, that the costs of healthcare are so high that you need health insurance to cover the cost of healthcare. You don't. I mean, most of healthcare is very inexpensive, and you should just be paying for it out of pocket. Uh, you know, I have a podcast that I've started, but I haven't kept up with it. I did one episode of video podcast. It's on my blog at healthcareonomics.com. But uh, in that video podcast, I detail, I break down my cost in my clinic that I offer patients an antibiotic injection. It is the most expensive antibiotic injection that I offer patients. It's 35 bucks is what I charge for it. But the actual medication, the syringe, the needle, the alcohol wipes and the Band-Aid, all that stuff, guess what it costs me to, to buy all that? Hmm. Less than $3. It costs hmm. me $2.76 or, or thereabouts, you know, factor in a little change. But $2.76, now that is, that's how much it costs me to buy that antibiotic injection. That's, that is not costly. I mean, that is cheaper than probably what it costs, or that's probably about the same as what it would cost Whataburger to build you a cheeseburger, you know, out of the, the meat and the bun, et cetera, and all that stuff. So healthcare is not inherently costly. It's just way, way, way overpriced. And the health insurance industry is both the cause and the recipient of the benefit of that situation. And it is, it is something that just needs to be busted. It's the big myth of healthcare, and I, I aim to bust it every way possible. So with that, and in your practice, so how do you fight back? Well, okay, so to me, the secret weapon in all of this are people. It's ordinary Americans, you know, um, a lot of folks say that doctors are the ones who got us into this mess, and no, I disagree with that. I mean, the health insurance industry is what got us into this mess, and they actually took over health care. Again, I detail this in my first book back in the 70s when they introduced the $5 copay. That was a bit of brilliance that will go down in history as one of the, one of the smartest business uh, tactics ever used. Unfortunately, it's also one of the worst things to ever happen to our healthcare system because they absolutely took over patients at that point. Imagine imagine me coming to you, you're Dr. Bledsoe, and I work for Acme Health Insurance or XYZ Health Insurance Company. And we're, we'll rewind back to the 70s or early 80s. And I'll come to your office one day and I say, hey, Dr. Bledsoe, guess what? All of our patients, and we control, you know, 70% the, the of the people that live in your zip code have us as their insurer. 
because they're employed by this giant tuna canning factory outside of town. Uh, and we, we have their health insurance contract. So they all come through XYZ health insurance plan, and they all pay $5 to see the doctor within our network. Now, how much are you charging them, Dr. Bledsoe? You want to charge them 35 bucks for a visit or 40 bucks or 20 bucks even? You can't compete with our $5 copay now suddenly. Hmm. So Dr. Bledsoe either has to join the network or you might end up having to go work at that tuna canning factory, man, uh, if you don't, uh, you know, because you're not going to make it as a doctor charging folks $35 when now they can go see other doctors in town for $5, for a $5 copay. So that's how the health insurance industry took over healthcare, plain and simple, right there was at the $5 copay. And it was brilliant, and it was very effective. The problem now, though, and I put a tweet out about this, how did doctors lose control of health care? Because the health insurance companies introduced the $5 copay. And the next question is, how will doctors regain control of health care? Because health, health insurance companies introduced the $5,000 deductible. Mm-hmm. And so my point behind that statement is that the $5 copay is gone now. That, you may still have a 5 or 10 or $20 copay, but that's not it. You're going to get balanced billed because you now have a $5,000 deductible. And again, this makes it so that people ought to want to just pay for their health care because guess what? You're going to pay for it anyway in the end. I mean, it, it may take them six weeks to start sending you bills, but you're going to pay for this no matter what. It just will happen, trust me. And so to me, it makes a lot more sense to just pay for it as you go. Pay for the routine stuff, ask about the price, see what you can negotiate, get a receipt then submit that receipt to your health insurance company and say, look, I want credit toward my deductible for this. I spent, you know, X, Y, Z at the doctor or for this medication or for these labs. I want some credit toward my deductible. They may give it to you, they may not. But in any case, it's better to spend $100 on something and not get credit toward your deductible, in my book, than it is to spend $1,200 on the very same thing just so that it counts toward your deductible. And so people are the key to all of this. When you ask me how I fight back, I try to educate people. That's what I'm on a mission to do. In fact, my slogan is I'm out to change healthcare by changing the way you think about healthcare. Because it's not the way it used to be. We are we are now out of Alice in Wonderland and we're back to the normal situation where, you know, people it, it's a service industry and people should be paying for it. They're responsible for paying for it anyway, so they might as well get a much better deal, pay for it at the time of service. Everybody's a lot happier, but it's going to take Americans doing that because as soon as millions of them do, guess what's going to happen to the prices? Those $12 aspirins will be a thing of the past. In fact, I doubt that people who pay cash get billed for aspirins because it's going to cost more for people to bill you for an aspirin than it is just to shovel them down you when you need them while you're being cared for. So uh, the prices of healthcare will drop precipitously. The customer service will go up significantly, and I think everybody will be a lot, lot happier after all this gets shaken out in the end. It's going to take a while. There's no doubt about that. This is, and it's not going to be a very pretty transition. But the, I can tell you that once people get it, they really get it, and they they understand that it behooves them to now take charge of their own healthcare, especially if they have a you know, a $5,000 deductible. Now, a question I would have for your listeners is that if you have a uh, a $500 deductible or a $0 deductible, how much are you paying for that health insurance to have all that kind of so-called benefit? Um, because that's a whole other 
probably that's a whole other podcast we could talk about <laughs> where the health insurance industry is ripping people off left and right. Let me ask you a good question, and I mean this. Um, would you ever spend $3,700 extra in premiums just to, to take – just to save $3,000 off your deductible, let me rephrase that. Would you spend 3700 bucks on a plan that has a $0 deductible versus saving $3,700 to go for a plan that has a $3,000 deductible? Would you do that? Mm, no. I don't know too many people who would. That doesn't <laughs> no. make sense, does it? Spend, spend 3700 bucks to potentially save yeah. 3000 well, all kinds of people are doing it. What I just described to you was the uh, employee and family plan that's offered to the federal employees in North and uh, Central Texas this year okay. through the Scott and White Healthcare System on their HMO plan. That's that's a that's a true story. I cover this on my uh, blog, I believe. That um, uh, and 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 people do this stuff. I mean, people will do it. In fact, let me pose a different scenario for you, Brian. Would you ever spend? $3,200 extra in premiums just to save $1,500 off your deductible. You're going to spend $3,200, potentially save $1,500. You wouldn't do that, would you? No. I don't think you would. You're a good conservative man. Of course you wouldn't do that. Yeah, You're a fiscal make... conservative like me, so it doesn't make much sense, does it? No. Liberals, it might make sense, but uh, anyway. Uh, so, But guess who did just that in 2015, Brian? 46 thousand Texas teachers did just that in 2015. And by my calculations, in doing that, they wasted $150 million in premiums that they handed Aetna through the teacher's retirement system in Texas that they really did not need to hand Aetna. And all this because they can't add. They can't do a little math. And it makes me wonder how many of these teachers are teaching our kids math. But anyway, um, and that blog at healthcareonomics.com, the the particular post there is called Texas Teachers Get Screwed Again. You can read that and see how that happened to them. Yeah, that's that common core math, I guess. (laughs) It's got to be. Well, what it is, you know, really, and and really, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame people for this because they're victims. They're being victimized by the health insurance industry, who are slicker than car salesmen could ever possibly hope to be. Uh, the health insurance industry wrote the book on sleazy sales tactics. Believe me, because they sell their product through a mix of confusion, ignorance, and fear. Uh, they scare the wits out of people for not being covered, you know, down to the bottom line for the flu shot. When the reality is that people ought to pay, you know, in, in a perfect world, I can imagine paying, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month to have this catastrophic coverage that that takes over when I spend ten thousand dollars and, you know, maybe has a million dollar lifetime cap, so the insurance company's got a little limit to their exposure or what have you. But, uh, you know, that to me would be the perfect ideal world. And well, let me ask you this though. Let me, let me let me ask you a question, if I may. How much do you think a doctor's office visit should be worth, or let's say an EKG, or a gallbladder operation, or a a health insurance plan? And I'm going to answer the question for you. Uh, But the bottom line is these things should be worth whatever the market will bear, correct? I mean, that's that's what we get in free markets. If you want to go out and pay 400 bucks for a purse, I'm not going to do that. But if you want to do that, do it. I mean, it's a free market. You can do it. They probably don't sell as many $400 purses as they do, you know, $40 purses. But, hey, the fact that they're selling them says that there are people out there who are willing to spend that kind of money. But it's a voluntary choice. It's a free market. 
Not so with our health care and health insurance industries. These things are about as anti-free market as you can get in the, American, in the United States today. And that needs to change big time. And the only way that's going to change is when we get legislators in there who aren't bought off by these special interests. So I coined a phrase on Twitter. I love it. It's a, it's a pun on the old Journey song, Don't Stop Believing." I call it Don't Stop Repealing. <laughs> Don't stop repealing. Because we've got to repeal all these laws, like not just Obamacare, but there's a law from 1973 that many people, many of your listeners, probably even you have never heard of. It's called the HMO Act of 1973. This is what allowed health maintenance organizations, this is what allowed health insurance companies to do things that no other industry in the U.S. can, to my knowledge. They just cannot do this. And that is they price fix with their competitors. They go and they, they make deals with hospitals and doctors and they price fix. They negotiate prices that you with your $5,000 deductible, ultimately will have to pay. That would be illegal in any other industry. Any other industry couldn't get away with that. Also, what these HMOs and health networks do is they restrict your patient consumer choice. They tell you who you can and can't see. No other industry does that, Brian. And then at the same token, they restrain my trade as a practitioner. I can't just see somebody who's on a particular plan because I won't get paid for that for that patient or what have you. This is ridiculous. This is all ridiculous, and it's all uh, a product of federal government and federal government intervention going back 50 years almost. And we need to just start repealing these laws. I wrote a, a piece. Uh, on my blog back in, uh, I believe it was the summertime when all the rage was repeal and replace. Repeal and replace Obamacare. And to me, the question is, replace it with what? What are you going to replace it with? The whole point is just to repeal it and get rid of the law and let the free market do its thing. We don't need a replacement. The government has proven itself time and time again that it's horribly uh, inept at providing us with uh, and with solutions that drive down the prices of health insurance and health care, right? Yeah. So we don't need a replacement. What we need is to keep repealing. Unfortunately, no, virtually nobody up there in Congress outside of uh, uh, Senator um, Paul, Rand Paul, and our wonderful senator from the great state of Texas, Ted Cruz, unfortunately, I don't think too many of these other clowns up there are really willing to take on the health insurance industry and do the right thing for the American people. And we need to we need to really consider that the next go round at midterms in 2018, and then especially in 2020. Well, that's we one need thing. To start replacing some of these incumbents. Well, that's one go one ahead. thing in particular is um, if you look at the you know who who is donating to their campaigns, that definitely is a oh, an indicator yeah. <laughs> indicator as far as where they're yeah, going to stand when, whenever these um you know this legislation never comes and, you know, across. Uh, Fiscally, I'm I'm as conservative as they get. Socially, I'm I'm pretty liberal. I'm not not really conservative. Socially, I'm pretty liberal. So I consider myself to be a libertarian, which I think is what most of the country is actually is libertarian-minded, uh, even if they don't know it. And so to me, it cuts across party lines. There there are definitely there's no Democrat that I'm fond of. Believe me, I think that that's evil. Democrats are evil in my book. Uh, they're very self-serving, not interested in the future of the nation. But Republicans can be just as self-serving in their own way. And so these Republicans who aren't doing the right thing, the Senators Collins, Murkowski, especially McCain, oh God, McCain, these people need to go. I mean, they need to go. They're not doing the right thing. They're sellouts for the health insurance industry. And, and just understand this. Every one of your listeners needs to understand that when you see health insurance, when you see health care legislation, it's usually not about health care. It's about health insurance. They've conflated those two terms. But when you do see this health insurance legislation, do not 
think for a moment that this hasn't been bought, paid for, and carefully crafted by the health insurance industry. Yeah. Can I give you a shocking statistic? Let me let me give you something that ought to shock your listeners, and that is this. In 2013, 744 billion, that's billion with a billion, Brian, <laughs> $744 billion was spent on health insurance premiums by Americans. Now, of that, that's almost three-quarters of a trillion dollars for something that should be sold door-to-door, right? Now, of that of that money, two-thirds of that, almost half a trillion dollars, went to just 25 health insurance companies. The biggest out there by far is United Health Group, United Healthcare. In 2016, you can look this up on Wikipedia. In 2016, United Healthcare did 187 billion dollars in revenue. Guess how much McDonald's did? 26 billion dollars. <laughs> so McDonald's did one sixth the revenue of United Health Group. Guess how much Microsoft did? 66 billion dollars. Almost one, just a little over one third. Microsoft took in a little over one third of how much United Healthcare did. Now you tell me, do these companies really need billions and billions of extra taxpayer dollars in these subsidies? Do they? I well, don't think so. Well, no, but they'll definitely take it as long as they can um, oh, get, and get absolutely. that favor from their friends in Washington. So, absolutely. Now. I know what you mentioned about as far as, you know, wanting to educate, you know, everyone. And I guess I want to ask you, where can everyone um, get it, get in touch with you, whether on social media and, and I guess sure. also your books? To sure. Book. Now, I'm, I am I blog at healthcareonomics.com. It's sort of like Reaganomics or Voodoo uh, Economics. It's it's healthcareonomics.com, and you can Google me or Google my name. You'll, that'll take you to healthcareonomics. That's kind of my one-stop shop for everything. Now you can find my books on there. You can find videos. You can find link to my podcast, my YouTube channel, my SoundCloud channel. Uh, I've been on the radio quite a bit, done some podcasting myself, and et cetera, like I said. So you can find everything there. You can also read a lot of uh, interesting stuff in my posts. Feel free to please comment on the posts uh, if you like what you're reading. And then also, I'm on social media. I'm extremely active on Twitter. I tweet every day, all day. I schedule tweets out uh, 24 hours a day. And that is HCONomics. Or if you if you want to uh, look on Twitter for healthcareonomics, you'll find me. Got about 3,300 followers right now. And then on Facebook, it's also healthcareonomics. And you can see that there. You can follow along there. But uh, please share the information. I mean, I... Um, you know, again, what's going to change all this is people. People are going to be, well, if I may, let me say this. There are two things that face Americans today that are right there up in their face almost every day. And that is, first of all, the prices of health care. And then secondly, the prices of health insurance. The two are totally separate. So let's tackle the prices of health care first. In my book... In my first book, I close it out by pointing out that, look, it's up to you, to Americans, to change this. And the only way you're going to change it is by start insisting that you use your credit card instead of your health insurance card to pay for most of your routine health care. That is what's going to get the prices down. 
the quickest is when thousands and then millions of people start saying, uh-uh, pretend I don't have United Healthcare. In fact, my advice would be to your listeners, don't even tell these places you have health insurance. Because once the cat's out of the bag, they'd much rather charge you $5,000 for an MRI than $350 for an MRI, which is what my patients pay when I when I send them for MRIs. It's $350. But I, I, I hope that everybody understands that the facility, wherever you're going, they would rather charge you five grand for your MRI. And they can do that if they bill it to Aetna or Cigna or United Healthcare. So what I advocate in my book is a form of lying, a la mainstream media style, just lie. Just lie by omission. Tell them, I don't have health insurance. Uh, what's my cash price? And so once enough people start doing that routinely, you will see the prices of health care drop hugely, as President Trump would say, hugely. You'll see the prices of health care drop precipitously. And that will happen fairly quickly once enough people start uh, demanding those prices. But the second thing that faces Americans is the price of health insurance. Now, the first thing they can do to save money there is to use my app. Actually, I didn't mention this yet, but I have what I call Dr. W's equation, and that helps people look at their health insurance plans and helps them compare and points out that, hey, look, don't spend 3700 bucks to potentially save 3000 It does the math for you, and it's super easy to use. All you need to do is plug in your monthly premium or biweekly premium, whatever your premium amount is, how often you, you pay your premium, and then plug in your out-of-pocket maximum, and you can compare as many health insurance plans as you want. The app is available on the Google Android store right now. We are putting the finishing touches on the iOS, but it's 15 bucks, and I like to say that 15 bucks could save you thousands more on your health insurance um, hmm. if you'll just use the app. So that's the first thing that people can do is to not over-insure themselves, and they can use my app to help them decide that they're not doing that and save some money. But really what's going to change the prices of health insurance is to have more competition enter that industry. And unfortunately, that is literally going to take an act, if not several acts, of Congress. They're going to have to repeal laws, like I said. They're going to have to eliminate networks. And I go over all this in my book as well, in my first book on how, how we can go about this. That's a pretty tough call. Don't get me wrong. I understand you're talking about getting people you know, at the federal legislative level who are used to being paid by these special interests. And we're asking them now, to, hey, look, you know, you, uh, you know, we want you to not take that money. We want you to do the right thing. And um, I think it's not as difficult as, like, say, getting the Iran deal uh, negated, though, because there's a driving force behind this, and that is ordinary Americans are being impacted every day by the decisions that are being made by these legislators uh, regarding health insurance. And so if we can put enough pressure on them and perhaps, you know, turn over a few incumbent seats over this, then hopefully at, at some point there will be a critical mass reached and all these sitting legislators and new legislators that come up uh, through the ranks will will get the idea that, hey, look, we gotta we got to, you know, quit paying so much attention to the health insurance lobby and allow more competition uh, into that industry by, by repealing certain laws and regs. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to what you what you mentioned. It, it comes down to the people as far as wanting to wanted to yeah. hold these uh, legislators accountable. So, yes, Dr. very Dr. grassroots. Very yep. appreciate everything that in these um, past few minutes. Um, I hope everyone that's listening has really been informed and really has at least a better idea as far as maybe to want to change things and how they view health insurance or in healthcare. So I really appreciate it. 
Well, I really appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on, Brian, very much, because this is the only way that it's going to change. Is uh, the mainstream media will not touch this idea. Trust me, I've, I've uh, tried through. I've, I've been in touch with Sean Hannity's producer. Uh, been in touch with uh, Mark Levin's uh, senior producer. Been in touch with. Um, Oh gosh, and Michael Savage's radio show producer. None of them will touch this. They don't. They're not interested in getting this word out for whatever reason. So it's going to take small grassroots folks like you and me, and uh, you know the YouTubers of the world. We're going to have to get this message spreading like wildfire. So please, 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 your listeners, uh, help spread this message. We need it because it's the only thing that's going to change the healthcare system. The sooner we do it, the sooner better. Everybody will be better off. All right, Dr. Casey. Uh, appreciate so much for your time. Thank you, sir. Yep, and thanks to Dr. Casey for joining us. And that's it. Until next week, chat with you later. Cox can help make your home smarter and your life easier. Now you can use your Contour voice remote to connect to your home life cameras so you can view them right on your TV screen using simple voice commands. That makes it easy to keep tabs on what's happening around your home right from your couch. Need to keep an eye on the kids when they're playing outside? Just say, show me my backyard camera into your Cox voice remote and watch them while you're in the house. And if you're waiting for a delivery and want to make sure it's there on time, no problem. Just say, show me driveway camera to check on it with your Home Life HD cameras on the TV screen while you go about your day. When you live in a home powered by Cox Internet, you can stay connected to what matters and let Cox take care of the rest. To learn more about all the benefits of your connected home, visit cox.com slash thisishome today. Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700.